Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Give Me Liberty. My name is James Wilson, and today we'll cover the Super Bowl, more impeachment, I, the Iowa caucuses, and of course, the State of the Union, coming up just tomorrow. This is Give Me Liberty, you're listening to James Wilson. Okay, so to start this episode today, first I'd just like to congratulate the Chiefs on winning, the Kansas City Chiefs on winning the Super Bowl. Good for them. You know, I don't watch too much sports. I usually just pick the team I want to win at the Super Bowl. You know, Chiefs happen to be the team I chose this year, so pretty happy. <laughs> Doesn't mean much to me <laughs> exactly. But the Kansas City Chiefs actually won 31-20. to They came back in the fourth quarter from uh from losing 20 to 10 or 10 to 20 however you say that they want they got three touchdowns in in the fourth quarter and came back in 15 minutes and actually won by 11 points which is very impressive good for them and of course trump had to tweet about this and he made you know just a small mistake so here's what he tweeted congratulations to the kansas city chiefs on a great game and a fantastic comeback under immense pressure you represented the great state of Kansas and, in fact, the entire USA so very well. Our pa- proud country, our country is proud of you. So, doesn't sound too, unless you know. There are two Kansas cities. There's one in Missouri and there's one in Kansas. And I'm going to be completely honest. I, I honestly thought the Chiefs were from Kansas. Obviously, if you're a sports fan, you probably know they're from Missouri. Something I should know, you know. I, I'm a little more... I'm into sports. I'm not super into sports, but I should know stuff like this. But it turns out the Kansas City Chiefs are actually from Missouri, not Kansas. So when Trump said, you represented the great state of Kansas, and in fact the entire USA very well, just a little minor, just a little minor mistake in there. And the media are all over this. You know... I think you should probably know this before you tweet. Obviously, this kind of shows us that Trump doesn't necessarily take into consideration stuff he's tweeting before he tweets it. Now, lots of people have problems with his tweets. I'm not going to get into that in that episode in this episode, but I mean, it to a lot of people it proves that he just tweets all the time. To me, I don't know why people are all over this. It's just a mistake. Can we get over it? It's the Super Bowl. It's sports. Now, if this was some very big political, serious thing, and you should really know that information, you know, whether it be foreign politics or foreign policy or domestic policy, now that stuff would be a little bigger. But this is sports. Just because he didn't know that they were from Missouri and not Kansas isn't the biggest deal in the world. So, CNN reports, as I've already stated, the media are all over this idea that Trump messed up on his tweet. So CNN reports, but presidents and presidential candidates occasionally make these mistakes. Everyone remembers that in May 2008, then-Illinois Senator Barack Obama said this, quote, It's a wonderful day to be back in Oregon. Over the last 15 months, we we're traveled, we've traveled to every corner of the United States. I've now been in 57 states. 
close quote. That's obviously false. <laughs> so it happens. But here's why Trump doesn't get a pass. Because he and his administration have made a huge point of picking out the slip-ups of past politicians and questioning people over their supposed lack of knowledge of geography. In 2018, Trump actually tweeted about the 57 states flub. Quote, when President Obama said that he has been to 57 states, very little mention in fake news media, wrote Trump. Can you imagine if I said that? Story of the year. So, a couple of things to talk about this. First, Senator, then Senator Barack Obama tweeting that, that, you know, or I'm not sure if it was a tweet, saying, you know, that he's been to 157 states. That's obviously false. We know there's not that many states. However, is this the biggest deal in the world? Could it have been a typo? Yes. I, you know, people who use this against Barack Obama, I, I don't think this should have been done. Now, if this was something more serious, as I've already said, you know, that, you know, could maybe be taken into consideration more. But that's not obvious. That's obviously not the case with what we see here. So pestering Obama about saying this, I disagree with. I think you should let it go. If you want, if you dislike Barack Obama, I think that's fine. I don't really like Barack Obama, but that's because of his policies. And if you want to question his policies or ideas, that's fine. But something as simple as a typo, I really don't think you should worry about. So they give an example, right? They make a good point that presidents have done this, but then they say, you know, Trump is the exception. Quote, he does not get a pass. So the reason they say he does not get a pass is because He's made out a huge, and it's in all caps, huge point of picking out the slip-ups of past politicians and questioning people over their supposed lack of knowledge of geography. Here's the thing. Now, I don't know specifically what they're talking about in this example. They don't specify. But one main example I can think of is Joe Biden. Donald Trump makes fun of Joe Biden all the time for things like this. If you've been paying attention to the news lately... Joe Biden has gone to many campaign rallies or events, and he doesn't know what state he's in. It's it's actually kind of funny to watch. He's in Ohio, and he says, "You are you live in a great the great state of Iowa," you know, and just mixing up simple things like that. And Trump has made this a big part of his campaign, especially since Joe Biden, if he is the nominee, will be going up against Trump, and you know challenges Trump for re-election. So I understand why he attacks thing, Joe Biden for things like this, and I'm going to talk about that right now. So Joe Biden, the big attack on Joe Biden is that he's super tired. If you've watched the debates, he does not have very much energy at all. Then he got the name Sleepy Joe, you know, all those types of nicknames from Trump. And that's just because he's not awake. He doesn't have energy. You know, lots of people joke that Bernie Sanders isn't going to live much longer. Joe Biden, like Bernie Sanders has so much energy though. Joe Biden, I'm not saying he's going to die or anything. I'm just saying he does not have that very much energy. And for that reason, many people think he's old and slow and wouldn't be fit for the president presidency. Now, I actually talked about this in some of my other episodes. You know, the New York Times interviewed a couple of people talking about how they supported Joe Biden, but they don't think he's really gaining any new support just because he's slow and tired. Now, there's been a bunch of mistakes that Joe Biden have made, especially since 
you know, he constantly confuses what state he's in. One of my favorites. <laughs> I was actually watching the debate live at this time, but it was his closing statement. I believe it was in July, somewhere around then. I may be mistaken, but it's closing statements. You know, go to amyklobuchar.com. Go to andrewyangforpresident.com. Those aren't the actual URLs, but you, you get what I mean, you know. Come to my website, you know, we'll make America amazing, and Trump's tearing it down. And then it gets to Joe Biden, and he's like, go to Joe 30330. And the way he said it, you knew he had no idea what he was talking about. It just barely stumbled through that. And it turns out he meant to say, text Joe to 30330, you know, something like that. But just the way he said it was super hilarious. It got so many good laughs out of me. It was, it was an amazing moment. But the thing about Joe Biden is that he really is tired. And electability is a, a very good question, especially when you're considering an office as high as the presidency. If someone constantly mixes up their states, if someone can hardly, you know, string together a sentence or looks very tired or can't excite new voters, that's an electability issue. And that's not something you should be shaming Trump for. It, it's an honest, you know, people are looking for a president that's trustworthy, that's bold and loyal and, you know, keeps their promises, integrity. And when you have someone that's not attracting new voters or they're constantly mixing up uh, different things. Now, that is a good attack. But attacking Trump because he tweeted, you know, that it's a sports team. There's a difference between politics and a sports team. Now, should Trump have double-checked the tweet? Of course. But does that mean that he's not equipped to be president or he doesn't get a pass because he attacked Joe Biden on electability? No, of course not. And, and then it talks about Trump's quote-unquote attack on President Barack Obama about the 57 states thing. Or it says, can you imagine if I said that? Story of the year. Now, let's be honest. I mean, this right now with the whole Kansas thing is not the story of the year. But Trump does make a good point. The media are all over this. Oh my gosh, he said Kansas instead of Missouri. This is a huge deal. No, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. Again, if this was domestic policy, foreign policy, something more serious, you know, you could take that into consideration. Or if he was constantly mixing up his states on politics, not sports, you know, all these things, you know, such as Joe Biden, or if, you know, he's slow or, or you know, not enough energy. Now, though there's things you can attack your political opponents on because it does bring up an electability issue. But something as simple as just mixing up a state for a sports team is not the biggest deal of the world. And CNN is just proving their own point here. They aren't making it the biggest story of the year. I mean, then again, we're only it's only February 3rd. Actually, the Iowa caucuses are today, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Donald Trump does make a good point. The fact that this is making national news is kind of interesting, to say the least, that the media are all over a simple mistake you know, maybe Trump should have known that before he tweeted, but is it the biggest deal in the world? So, interesting reporting by CNN. The media are all over this. Democrats are all over this. It's a mistake, and it's not, it's not the biggest mistake in the world, and it's not something that should really have too much importance. You know, obviously, they corrected the tweet. 
It's not something super important. I, I, I honestly don't understand why they're attacking him on this. Especially the fact that CNN's reporting this and that this is making national news. You know, I really don't think, uh, like, again, I don't think you should be attacking Obama because he says 57 states instead of, you know, 50. Or attacking Trump because he said Kansas instead of Missouri. I, 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 I believe that on both sides. Not just Trump. I, if anyone makes a small, simple mistake like this, a simple mistake, that's the word I'm looking for, simple, doesn't have much worth or meaning, why do you have to attack someone so hard on this? But anyway, next we get to impeachment. So I'm not going to get to too much impeachment on this just because we have so much coming up, including the Iowa caucuses and the State of the Union. But we'll get to a quick update on this, which is that they voted to have more witnesses. And guess what? Drumroll, please. It did not pass. There will be no more witnesses to this trial. Now, Democrats are very, very upset about this. And to be honest, I, I honestly don't understand why we need more witnesses in this trial. The Democrats didn't feel the need to have these witnesses when it was their turn to do the investigation. So I don't know why they should have much in a say in the way the trial has gone. If they, like, let's look at this for a second. They tried to get John Bolton. Trump said no. So John Bolton went to the, you know, judiciary branch and said, what do I do? Congress is telling me one thing, and the executive branch is telling me the other. Legislative versus executive. What do I do? You you can decide for me. And guess what? The Democrats in the House did not care about John Bolton anymore, and they didn't call him in, even when they could have subpoenaed him and fought with the courts to get him to come in. This shows us something very crucial. Democrats didn't really care that John Bolton came in in the first place. If they thought his message or whatever he had to say as a witness was so crucial why did they not call him in in the first place when they had the opportunity to do so now additionally democrats have been saying for so long first we have to rush this through that's number one reason why they didn't call john bolton they wanted to impeach president donald trump before christmas you see nancy pelosi bragging about how no matter what happens trump will be impeached for life and all that other nonsense the fact is they were trying to rush this through. They didn't really care about John Bolton. And they didn't really call very many witnesses, to be honest. If they wanted to get to the bottom of this, they could have prolonged this. They could have got more witnesses, but they chose not to. And now that we've gotten to the Senate, they're all over having witnesses in the first place or more witnesses because they want to prolong this thing. They, you know, the election is in 10 months now. Yeah, it's, it's around 10 months. You know, they're just trying to push this thing. They're trying to do whatever they can, which is actually kind of backfiring on them now that there's been more support for Trump than ever. But, you know, interesting Democratic strategy. One thing that one of the arguments that Democrats are making is the fact that John Bolton did say something that that clashed with something Trump said. Obviously, there's all of that all that around John Bolton saying quid pro quo. But here's the thing. Democrats in the House have been saying that there's overwhelming evidence that you have to impeach Donald Trump. If there's overwhelming evidence, why do you have to hear from more witnesses? That does not make sense. Their two arguments contradict each other. 
if you have overwhelming evidence that this guy, this president, needs to be impeached, why do you need to hear from more people? They know they're not going to win the Senate, and they're just trying to prolong this thing, go fishing, try to find someone, and it's it's not going to happen, but they're going to try and do it because it's their last hope at this point. But then, you know, the, the fact that they want more witnesses, even though if you wanted more witnesses, why didn't you do it in the House? You guys voted to impeach Donald Trump on the articles given. So the people in the House think that under the witnesses that testified and under the articles given, that that was enough to impeach Donald Trump. So shouldn't that be the same in the Senate? If the House really wanted to push this, they could have. But they decided to rush this through and impeach him as soon as possible. Funny story, actually not funny story. They're actually, they they did these tests or whatever they do, and they found that each of the impeachment pens could be auctioned for fifty thousand dollars you know that stuff's insane to me it really is you know the idea that oh it's such a sad and somber day but you know what we're gonna sign it with a ton of pens and sell them because oh my gosh and we're gonna give them to all my colleagues oh my you know it's a sad day it's a sad day this whole thing really does not make sense to me it it doesn't i don't understand how impeachment has even gotten this far We'll keep talking about impeachment. They actually have the acquittal vote on Wednesday, which is actually the next episode. Uh, So we'll get to that as well. But that's it for impeachment. And we'll move on to our last big topic of the day, which is the Iowa caucuses. Iowa caucuses are tonight. At the time of this recording, the results have not come in. So I won't talk about what the results are. But I will just go over the importance of this event in this caucus for many of the candidates. So to start, just talking about the candidates, Mike Bloomberg in a new poll, according to Daily Wire, jumped up to third place, knocking Elizabeth Warren down. Now, this is really, really not looking good for Elizabeth Warren. She was an early front runner. She had a lot of steam at the beginning. She gained steam. She was with it with Joe Biden for a while. And then she just plummeted. And Bernie Sanders, you know, got more polling numbers. And ever since then, Elizabeth Warren has just been slowly decreasing until I really don't think she can be a candidate much longer if she doesn't change something. The fact that Mike Bloomberg just passed her. Now, I'm not going to talk specifically about Mike Bloomberg today, but there is the fact that he has not made it to a single debate. He hasn't been on the single debate stage the end, his entire presidential campaign. And lots of that has to be because he funds his own campaign. He doesn't want you know, money from other people. And lots of the requirements have to be around the fact you know, that you have to have a certain amount of unique donors. So Mike Bloomberg has not made the stage. But the fact that he's in third place now, knocking out Elizabeth Warren... Now, this is some really crazy stuff, and if Elizabeth Warren doesn't change something right now, it's not going to look good for her in the future. There's really something that's got to change for her if she wants to stay in it. So with that, the main the main people this will be between, the main candidates that this will be between tonight are some of the more main candidates. So that's Amy, Amy Klobuchar. Elizabeth Warren, Tom Steyer, 
Mike Bloomberg, Joe Biden, and Bernie Sanders. Now, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are the big ones, so I'll talk about them in a second. But first, let's start with Elizabeth Warren. I've already, you know, talked a little bit about this. Elizabeth Warren really has to change something. If she does not change anything, this will most likely be the end for her. If she cannot gain steam in some of these early states where they hold these caucuses, it's going to be farewell to her. Now, they do have all these crazy things called superdelegates, which we'll get into later as, you know, the candidates uh, keep going down numbers. And we get to just a couple and near the general election. But there is a shot for Elizabeth Warren. I'm not saying that Elizabeth Warren's going to go out now that Mike Bloomberg is actually leading her. But what I'm saying is that is really not looking good for Elizabeth Warren. And I was going to be a very crucial night for her. If she can get some big steam, which is looking even less and less likely right now, she's even losing, losing to Pete Buttigieg in some of the recent polls, then, you know, she really needs the steam, and that's not what she's getting. So now let's move to Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg was actually leading Iowa just a couple months ago. This was actually looking really good for Pete, as he was kind of in in between candidate he wasn't a top candidate but he was definitely gaining steam especially since the beginning of his campaign and the fact that he's leading iowa for even just a little bit was promising news for him however since then it's really been a debate between joe biden and bernie sanders so because of this it's also just like elizabeth warren it's not looking good for pete Buttigieg. he's really got to change something however he is still behind, just behind Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. So there still is a shot he can do fairly well. Now is he going to win it? I, there's a very, extremely low chance. I would be shocked. But if he could get some of those delegates, all those things, you know, at least a certain percentage, it could be promising for Pete Buttigieg. Again, he's going to have to make some big changes like Elizabeth Warren. He's going to have to gain that momentum and steam a lot faster now that we're nearing the end of lots of these presidential campaigns. You know, we've seen Kamala Harris drop out, Julian Castro drop out, Cory Booker drop out. You know, lots of these candidates are dropping out really fast, and you really need some strong poll numbers and some strong support, and this is something that will be crucial to Pete Buttigieg, which isn't looking likely for him, because now we'll get into the race between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. I was going to be a very influential night for whoever wins the state. Now, here's why. Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are just about tied nationally now. Bernie Sanders has made some huge leaps towards Joe Biden as Joe Biden has been steadily dropping. We already talked about earlier on the show. Joe Biden is losing lots of steam. He's not very enthusiastic. You know, Trump's attacking for the, him for this. He's not gaining any new voters. So the fact that Bernie Sanders is coming up and Joe Biden is coming down, whoever wins this, if Joe Biden wins, it's going to help him move back up. If Bernie Sanders wins this, it's going to help him keep going up. If Joe Biden loses this, however, he's going to keep going down. And if Bernie Sanders loses this, it might be the peak of his polling numbers, at least for now. Now, Joe Biden is leading in some of the other earlier states, such as South Carolina, and he's actually leading by a pretty strong margin. Although Tom Steyer is actually starting to become a threat, it's pretty safe to say that Joe Biden will win South Carolina, at least at this point. Now, what plays in favor 
Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are going at it in Nevada. And Bernie Sanders has pretty strong support in New Hampshire, especially after some of these more recent polls, where he has a pretty strong lead, just like Joe Biden does in South Carolina. And those were polls just a couple days ago, a week or two ago, looking very strong for Bernie Sanders. So this state is going to give the tip off to some of these other states that, you know, some are some of the other earlier ones and give the, these candidates the delegates they need to to win the primaries and go on to defeat President Donald Trump. Now, it's really going to be an important night for both of them. I could see either one winning them. There's a lot of polls out recently that show Bernie Sanders has strong support, which is actually scaring a lot of Democrats, but it's really... Even more recent polls show them tied. It's all over the place. It's most likely going to be between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And whoever wins that is super lucky, especially since it's the first date. Not necessarily lucky as in the way that, oh, you're so lucky you won that. But lucky in some of the other states that are going to be very influential to their campaign. So very close race between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. I'll be interested to see what happens at the Iowa caucuses tonight. Again, at the time of this recording, the results have not officially come out yet. Now, before we move on, I'd just like to talk about some of the presidential candidates real quick. There's a news article by Daily Wire. The headline is, Socialist Bernie Sanders spent $1.2 million on private jet travel in the last three months. This bothers me. <laughs> now, we'll talk about this since this is this has to go with presidential candidates Iowa caucuses all things like that but I quote Bernie Sanders quote you cannot go too far on the issue of climate change close quote they hold they held climate town halls all these things the debates they talk about climate change how we need to address it now Bernie Sanders one of his one of the people that supports him, AOC, who actually endorsed him as well with the squad, actually created the Green New Deal. Bernie Sanders really likes the Green New Deal. There's a lot of support for the Green New Deal. Obviously, this would cost over $90 trillion and, you know, would eliminate planes, cows, all these sorts of crazy ideas, all crazy things and ideas about that. However, it kind of drives me crazy when you see people who are pushing for things like this. Oh, Green New Deal. Oh, climate change. We're all dying. And then you see them driving like an SUV. Or in cases of presidential candidates like socialist Bernie Sanders spending $1.2 million on a private jet. Now, I, I really like, you know, if someone you know, full support, Green New Deal, I disagree with them strongly. But, you know, if they bike to work every day, they use paper bags, and they do literally everything, they live in an eco-friendly home, or, you know, all those types of things, I, I understand their point of view a little bit more. Now, I'm not saying I agree with them, but I understand that they're trying to make a difference and trying to make a change. Now, I still disagree with them, but the fact that they're actually backing up their ideas with actions is a little more, it shows a little more integrity, a little more honesty, and I show a little more respect to that. 
But then you also have presidential candidates, and this isn't only Bernie Sanders. He actually spent a lot more, but you've got other candidates, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Warren, spending in the hundreds of thousands of dollars on private jets. When you talk about you cannot go too far on the issue of climate change, and then you drive a fly a private jet all around the United States, that's just showing us you kind of lost your integrity at that point. That if you really want to speak to someone who actually believes that this is a real, serious, and important issue, then you should, you should, if you're a candidate, you should follow what you say. And that just gives voters a reason not to trust these candidates, such as Bernie Sanders. You know, honestly, I always thought Bernie Sanders was more honest than Elizabeth Warren, and, you know, I still think so, but this is just kind of irritating to see someone directly do something contrary to what they're saying in the presidential primaries. So that's a little bit on the Iowa caucuses presidential candidates. And before we go, I'd just like to talk a little bit about the State of the Union. So the State of the Union is actually February 4th, 2020. And President Trump will be speaking, as always. It's a message from the President to Congress. Or not as always. Technically, it's whoever's president has the time. Uh, so that will be held tomorrow, which will be the day before my next episode on Wednesday. So on Wednesday, I'll be talking about the State of the Union. I'm going to be watching the whole thing, taking a lot of notes on it so I can talk about all the things he talked about. Honestly, State of the Union isn't my favorite thing to watch. It's kind of long and boring, if I had to be honest. But I'll be doing that, taking notes on all the things he says, so that I can talk to you about some of the main points on Wednesday with you. Be sure to check that out. That will be this Wednesday, February 5th. I have a lot planned for the day, but the State of the Union will be interesting. It's not my favorite thing, but it will be interesting, especially since this is happening just the day before President Trump's final impeachment vote. Now, it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see if he mentions impeachment. I personally hope he does not mention impeachment. And new you know, interviews, new articles have suggested that he will try to stay away from impeachment, which I'm actually really happy about. There's an article on Fox News titled, uh, titled Trump's State of the Union Optimistic, Inspirational, Forward-Looking on Eve of Final Impeachment Vote. So I think it's important to be optimistic at the State of the Union. Usually a State of the Union is a time for President to talk about their accomplishments to the Congress. I don't understand why you have to do that. You know, (laughs) if someone wanted to know your accomplishments, you know, they could just look it up, right? (laughs) No, but, you know, this is a good thing. And the fact that President Trump will hopefully not mention impeachment vote, I think really shows us something about his character, just because, you know, this is a very stressful, um, anxious time for a lot of people. You know, many people are not happy about impeachment, whether it's because they're trying to impeach Trump in the first place, or because, or because he's you know they just voted to have no more witnesses. I think it would be good for President Trump to stay away from this. I think this is a time where you try to bring, you know, bipartisan cheers. All these sorts of things kind of unite the country. I find that the State of the Union, State of the Union is usually a time where you can unite a country, and I feel like that would be better achieved if you stay away from impeachment. Obviously, that's just my opinion, but many people also share the idea that if you just stick to what you have accomplished so far 
and try to stay away from more more of those partisan issues. Now, I'm not saying you don't have to mention things, you know, going on recently or more conservative values, but staying away from something that specifically involves you, impeachment, very partisan, all things like that. I think that will be good for the State of the Union. But don't worry, I'll be talking about that on Wednesday again. That will be February 5th. I'll be covering the State of the Union, all the things they cover, whether or not they talk about impeachment. If they talk about impeachment, I will be interesting to see what, hear what they have to say about that. Obviously, it's just a day before the final vote. So I'll get all of that to you this Wednesday. You're listening to James Wilson, and this is Give Me Liberty.